welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network, home of the Firebird Book Awards and the Positive Change Podcast Awards. We also feature one-on-one segments with important guests, people who have something to say that you need to hear. And if you have something to say and would like to be featured on the network, please visit speakuptalkradio.com for all of the details or contact me personally at pr at speakuptalkradio.com. I am Pat Rulo, and right now I'm so happy to share an author with you, Dana Storino, and her book is titled The Golden Bee. Dana is an emerging neurodiverse writer and has been published in Rye Times and has been a guest blogger for Attitude.com. She also had a short story featured in the July issue of Her View from Home. She has two short stories published in separate issues of Glitterary Literary and a poem in A Poet's Choice. Dana received her Bachelor of Art degree from Columbia College, Chicago, and she works full-time for Chicago Public Schools as a special education classroom assistant. Her middle-grade book, titled The Golden Bee, is currently represented by Max Dobson of Maximus Literary, and you can read some of her personal experiences with ADHD and life in general in her WordPress blog, Oh, Look at a Squirrel. She is a married mother of three humans, let's hope, a spunky Dalmatian (laughs) named Dolly, and a cool cat named Bean. So much to talk about today, so let's get started. (laughs) Welcome to the network, Dana. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm happy to have you with (laughs) us today. Such an important topic. And before we begin with your book, for those who may not be familiar with the word neurodiverse, can you just give us a brief explanation of it? Sure. Um, that term is, is pretty new, I would say, within the, the last few years. Um, it basically means just somebody who um, isn't neurotypical. Neur- neurotypical would be somebody who doesn't have um, any kind, any type of disability like ADHD or epilepsy or autism on the spectrum, um, anything like that. That would be someone who is neurotypical. Someone who is neurodiverse would be someone with with ADHD or on the on the spectrum or have some sort of other disability, um, you know, that hinders them through their daily life. All righty. Your book, The Golden Bee. First, before we get into it, why did you write this particular book? Where did it come from? Well, um, basically, I've always loved to read and I love to write. And, and as you mentioned before, I went to Columbia College my degree was in uh, television production. So what I wanted to do is actually, you know, work behind the scenes, be a writer, director, producer, something like that. So I always wanted to just create something, um, not necessarily a book, but it could have been a book, could be anything. I just, I loved creating stuff. I loved making stories. So basically when the pandemic hit, I feel like that's when a lot of people kind of, you know, reassess their life and kind of thought like, Hey, you know, better late than never. Let me get, let me do something on my bucket list. I feel like so many of my friends started businesses doing different things that they've always wanted to do. So I took that time and I kind of thought, you know what, I'll write this book. I think it's the perfect time for it. So I basically, when I grew up, I read all those, all the, um, I love Ramona series and, um, the babysitters club, Sweet Valley, all that kind of stuff. Um, like the, the contemporary, literature, everyday girl going to school, that kind of stuff. Um, but there was never really, usually the characters were very perfect. They weren't very quirky. I, I would say the quirkiest one would, would be Ramona. She was very quirky. But um, I was like, you know, there's not a girl with ADHD that I'm aware of that has her own series or has her own um, 
TV show anything, nothing really. I mean, if you look at it, there's not, there's a couple of with, with boys. There's a couple shows, um, atypical. And I think there's another one to the, the doctor one, but there's nothing really with a female protagonist. So I took it upon myself to create that and to write a middle grade novel because generally, um, when females are diagnosed, they're mostly diagnosed around the age of 12. That's kind of when the diagnosis gets gets assessed. So uh, I picked that age for that reason. Plus, I love middle grade novels. I think those are my fave. I mean, I, I love romance and all that too. But growing up, that just had such an impact on my life. Those those books. So I kind of that's why I picked that, and it worked out perfectly because I was able to develop this character and a whole storyline around it. Oh, I love middle grade books as well. That whole Beezus and Ramona series, you're right, the Beverly Cleary and even Harriet the Spy. She was kind of a, yes. yeah, she was kind yeah. of a fun character as well. But you're right. You know, growing up, you never really thought about the characters. It was just, okay, they were pretty cookie cutter, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, they were. And, and you know, it was weird because I did... There was one reason why I did love them because I remember reading Steve Valley Twins. I'm like, God, I wish I could be so perfect with their straight, perfect blonde hair and their fancy cars and their big mansion. Like that was the fun of reading that. But then in a sense, it's kind of like you can't really resonate with any of that. That that wasn't real for me. I didn't grow up like that. So Mm -hmm. you kind of want to see someone struggle like you and get through problems and and deal with things that you're dealing with, too, because you want to relate to the character. Absolutely, absolutely, and to and to give hope and receive hope. So I think that's right. that's also part of it as well. All right, well, maybe just give us a peek into your book. Well, basically, it's about the story centers around Stephanie, and I didn't want to write something that was, you know, about her ADHD only. I didn't want to center the story around that. That wasn't the point of this. I wanted to write a book about a character with ADHD. So the story actually centers around a steam competition. They go to a a charter school in Chicago. I'm from Chicago, so it was easy for me to write about it because I feel like it's probably my most authentic self. <laughs> so it comes off flawlessly and easier. Um, so it, the school's in Chicago, and they have a competition, and this competition is called the Golden Bee, and it's an entrepreneurial competition. So all of the kids in class have to basically group up, and they have to think of a service um, that they can have as a business. So her group decides to do gardening. One group does dog walking. Another group does peer tutoring. Um, and then they have, they get points for every, um, customer they get. So whoever has the most points at the end of this competition wins the golden bee, which is, that's what the competition is called. Um, and it's called the golden bee because bees do not attack unless they are threatened. Um, they help each other. They work together. So even if they're in different hives and stuff, it doesn't matter. They still get along. They don't fight. So that's the point of this too, Mr. Mr. His name is Mr. B, but <laughs> that's not why the competition is called that. Um, so Mr. B, uh, is trying to teach them how to, um, become good business owners, but also have respect for each other, have the healthy competition, but respect each other and get along and have a healthy, good competition. And that's his, um, goal of this competition as well as not just, you know, helping them develop these businesses and, um, you know, get ahead at, at the school. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to it. And, um, 
in the competition, what he there are there is a bit I forgot to mention this that you you get stingers if your if you're if he finds out that your team did something evil to another team or you're acting bad to another student, you get a stinger and that takes points away. Mm. So you want to avoid that. And the thing with the what's going on with Stephanie is she acts impulsively and does a lot of things based on her emotions and feelings, which get her in trouble. So she has to control that in order to lead her team to victory because she cannot act on those emotions. So she has, um, so she has Miss Haley, which is the school guidance counselor. And she's working with Miss Haley who gives her this little metal train and they call it the brain train. And it's a technique where if she does feel upset or sad or anything, she can put those feelings on the train and send them away. So it's kind of like this little technique that Stephanie uses throughout the book. Um, but you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of plot twists and there's a mystery, you know, so we, you have to read the book to figure, to find that all out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. Was this required reading in your classroom? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I did give, I, I gave books. Actually, it's funny because a lot of the, a lot of the characters in my book, I work at a school. I work yes. at a Chicago public school and a lot of the characters are based off of the teachers I know who are wonderful, great teachers. So it's awesome because I'm a Sika, so I'm in almost all of their classes because I, I work with kids with special needs. So I get to observe teachers all day. So I took bits and pieces from the teachers that I really liked. And there is a real Mr. B, actually, <laughs> at my school. <laughs> so um, I based a lot of the Mr. B in the book after after Mr. B in real life. And um, Ms. Haley is actually based off of another Sika um, that I work with that the kids basically all like adore. They love her and they all, you know, she's kind of like really good with the older kids. So, um, I noticed that and I'm like, God, if she was a therapist, she could be a therapist, you know? So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, in my book, she will be a therapist. So <laughs> Miss Haley's a really cool rocker chick with purple hair. That's a therapist <laughs> that helps the kids. And, and, and she's real sweet, and she also, you end up finding out she has ADHD, too, so she knows she really knows how to help Stephanie specifically with everything that's going on. Oh, how fun is that? I love that, <laughs> that you can draw from all of these characters, but then, you know, kind of make them your own. Yeah, yeah. So in your work, are you working primarily with with children with ADHD? Um, yeah, there's a lot. I would say there's a, a range of, um, diverse learners. Um, basically a lot with ADHD, a lot of just general learning disorders, um, learning disabilities. You have a lot of kids on the spectrum all over, you know, all a range on the spectrum. Um, so it's kind of fun because every kid is so different and unique and special and funny and smart <laughs> and you get to see all of it. Um, I think it's like an eye-opening thing too for people Um, like that, you know, I think, you know, in the eighties and stuff, we didn't really have, well, I went to a private school, so we didn't have special education or anything at all. Um, So I struggled a lot in school because nobody really knew what was going on and there wasn't a placement for me. There wasn't, my mom ended up getting me evaluated when I was 15 years old. So it took that long. So through, you know, all my years of school, it was, a lot of confusion and frustration and it, I didn't like school at all. It's horrible. <laughs> um, but now, like, I think, you know, with the inclusiveness and, and stuff, I think it's great. Like these kids today, they don't, back in the eighties, I think 
kids were a little rougher on that because they didn't understand it. They weren't around it. They weren't exposed to it. But now I see such a difference where these kids are including the kids on the spectrum or including kids. They, they, they're like, come play with us or do this with me. Or here, if they're having a meltdown, they're like, here, let me help you. I'll give you this. Or what do we need? Like, they're they're so much better. Like, I mean, we, we always rag on, oh, millennials or Gen Z. We, like, rag on them. They're not as good as our generation. But I have to say... They're way better than we ever were with empathy and showing kindness and, and stuff to people who are different. I mean, they, they've really, they're, this is the best I've ever seen any kids, you know, behave with, you know, differences, you know, with understanding people's differences and, and learning to, you know, be kind to it. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. I really am because even when my children were going to school, yeah, there was just no tolerance for anything like this. And I used to just try to tell them when they'd come home and like tell stories and be unkind about kids. I'm like, oh my gosh, just think about little Susie's in bed at night, you know, hugging her teddy bear. And wouldn't it be nice if she could say, wow, Teresa talked to me today. And, you know, she was friendly to me and you try to encourage them to be open. But I think society wasn't as willing to talk about these things as we are today. So I'm happy to happy to hear this. Yeah, I mean, it's like a little, like, you know, there's so much awful stuff in the world, but then, like, you notice something like that, and it's like, wow, you know, you think we're doing really bad, we're awful, we're awful, you know, I don't know how many times people are like, the world is going down in flames, but really, there are a lot of good things that are happening, you just don't see them every day, or they're not featured, and, and I'm glad I'm able to, you know, tell everyone, yeah, there is goodness, and I see it every day, and your kids are great, <laughs> they're doing really well. <laughs> with that kind of stuff, like they're, they're way more, they're totally progressed from when we were little. I mean, it's a totally different world and, and you have to like, you know, be grateful for the people who pushed for inclusiveness and all of that, because it really did make a difference. It really helps. And, you know, the kids with, you know, the diverse learners, they, you know, they kind of emulate what they're around. And then the uh, neurotypical kids kind of, you know, show empathy and they're nice. And it's like, it's just a totally different world and different structure and everything. And I, I like it a lot. I think it's great. Well, that speaks to your title, the golden bee. We, hopefully we can all <laughs> behave like that, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, that's the main, one of the main things in my book is respect and you don't have to like everyone. You don't have to like everyone, but you should respect them and be kind. You know, that's all, you know, that's, probably the best thing we can do as humans, you know, is just respect each other and, and be kind and respect our differences and all of that. Now, Dana, would it be easier, I, I think it would be, if children were diagnosed earlier? Are children not diagnosed soon enough so that they don't have to wonder what's wrong with me and then the kids around them have to say what's wrong with her or him? Yeah, and you know what, and, and I just saw, I was listening to a podcast today and somebody was like, you know, she made a great point about how parents don't want labels on their kids. And, you know, they don't want that, that ADHD label or that autism label. And she's like, well, would you rather have the label that they're lazy or they're, they're stupid or they're annoying or whatever? Like, that's a label, too. So you have to understand that you might not want that label, but that label helps people understand what's going on so they're not looking, you know, they're not giving them a negative label. Like I would, and as, you know, a neurodiverse individual myself, I would rather have this label and I would rather be diagnosed early than have, than wonder my whole life. Like, why am I like this? And, you know, I'm not right. And it, it was hard. Like I'll tell you from, you know, kindergarten through, you know, my freshman year, it's like, why, 
can't I focus? Why can't I do this? Why are things coming so much easier to everybody else? And people can pay attention to details that I can't. And it was, it was hard. And why do I have such a, I think another thing too, and what I didn't realize till just recently is that a lot of my emotional regulation um, was due to ADHD. And I had no idea that, I don't think my parents knew that either. Why was I, I almost like 10 years behind everyone, like maturity wise with emotions and regulating them and handling, you know, um, stuff like that. I, I really was terrible at it. And I, I still struggle <laughs> at 44. It's still hard. Um, but like you know, having that diagnosis, you could be like, it's not an excuse. And I'm not, I'm not using it as an excuse, but you can be like, okay, this is why it's happening. This is what I need to do to fix it. You know, because if you don't have that, you don't have anywhere to begin to know where to start to fix it. So yes, to answer your question, I just want a big giant circle. But yes, I do think it's very important to be diagnosed early. And I don't think that we're over-diagnosing. Um, I don't think we're over-diagnosing. Yeah, there are some kids that are just uh, behavioral. Maybe there's poor parenting involved. There's a lot of that, too. But um, as a as a paraprofessional, I, I can kind of gauge, like, oh, yeah, this kid maybe needs to be evaluated. Or, like, I, I see things. Just I mean, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. Right. But I, I can see that, you know, there are some kids that still need you know, to be diagnosed and have that label. So they're not, you know, they don't get all that negativity. You know, it's a lot of negativity. People don't realize, you know. Oh, it is a lot of negativity. I, I mentioned to you prior to our conversation that my husband, um, he has ADHD and dyslexia and grew up and never was diagnosed. I mean, it wasn't until I met him and it wasn't even until a few years after I got to know him that I was thinking, Huh. I wonder, have, has anyone had this conversation with you? Because it just shows all the signs. And boy, when we both came to that realization, it just laid a lot of cards on the table for him and put things in puzzle pieces in place for his entire life. And what a shame to live a lifetime. I was going to say that. Unfortunately, the problem is the damage is done. Mm -hmm. You went all those years with nothing and not knowing. Yeah. So all of that negative damage is already put in place. So you have to go back. And I know a lot of people who get real depressed about that because they're like, oh, if I would have known, I would have done things so much differently. And just the knowing helps you make better choices in life. And, and maybe you wouldn't have done, like you wouldn't have went for this huge degree and then fit, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you have to know your limitations when you have it too. Like I know mine, like, and I hate to say that, like, I don't want to tell anyone, oh, you can't do everything. But there are I know I have limitations. Like, I can't do everything, but I can do a lot. I can do a lot of things. But some things, I'm just like, yeah, that's that's too much for me. <laughs> like, I know that that would, like, you know, and it's, it's like, there's it's just, you have to know, you know. And I think having that, that, that label sometimes and that understanding of who you are, that self-awareness helps a lot. And then you don't, you're not so down on yourself, you know, like, oh, I can't believe I failed at that. Well, there was reasons why, because you didn't have the right tools you needed to accomplish that. If you really, you know what I mean? Like, yes. I don't know. Oh, I do understand. And then it also offers the people around that person some understanding. And then I'm sure they're, they're given the tools how to deal with that person effectively. I mean, I know right. after a few years into this, I thought, wow, I don't even know how to deal with this. You know, instead of getting upset and angry, I had to spend a lot of time studying and researching and learning. And it's a family situation. So it's not just the person that's being diagnosed as being neurodiverse. The whole family needs to understand right. how to work with and through it. 
Yes, and that's a to- that's a great topic. Like, I would love to write an article about that because I feel like, you know, people don't understand. Oh gosh, like how it is to have a neurodiverse person in your household mm-hmm. and the the thing, the way the dynamic of the family has to change, or else it's not going to work. Like, you you have to approach things a lot differently. You know, you have to really take on a lot more responsibilities. You can't leave that person with everything on their shoulder. You have to kind of divvy up everything and understand that mistakes are going to get made. Can't get over like overly upset about things. It just it has to be a, a certain kind of dynamic. And I'm sure you learned this, <laughs> you know, with all your research and just living through it, you know. There almost needs to be some kind of support for the family. I do a lot of work with patient advocacy and caregiving for people who have health issues. And so, you know, you do end out with caregiver burnout if you're just doing the same thing over and over without any backup or help or support. It's kind of the same way. If you have no support, or understanding or tools or resources as a person who is living with um, someone with uh, ADHD or or any kind of neurodiverse issue. Right. It doesn't stop with just the parents. It really doesn't. If that person gets married, Mm -hmm. it then goes to the spouse and the kids. Like it it doesn't just, you know, it doesn't magically get better. And now you're, now you're fine. (laughs) No, my parents were totally stressed out with me and and it's, you know, partly because they didn't really know what was going on. And then, you know, after you find out what's going on, it still doesn't cure everything. It still doesn't make everything better. You still have issues and stuff. So they were, you know, struggled with me. And I'm, I'm not the, I wasn't the easiest kid. And then you get married and then my spouse, you know, I, you know, stressed him out with stuff too, because it's, it's just, you know, it, it keeps going. It never just stops. Yep. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's a great point you're making about that. Well, I hope you do write an article or a blog post or something on that and feel free to share it with me and I'll put it out there as well. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Yep. So uh, in your work, what do you find, especially with children, what might they wish that others would do or could do to respond better? I think patience is everything. I think, you know, I would have, when I was growing up, I, a lot of kids got really, I remember just being like, being annoyed by <laughs> people, annoying a lot of people, people getting aggravated with me to the point where I became, you know, I took on this like ditz persona to kind of balance, to, to make it, to normalize it, I guess. I mean, I didn't know what else to do. So I became like the ditz of the, the flighty ditz of the group. And then that made sense. And then I was accepted. I know that sounds crazy, right? But because of you know, I was just, I was always annoying people or like just being like, well, they thought I was being stupid, you know, and or right. I just really wasn't paying attention <laughs> at the time. So I missed a lot of stuff and it just, you know, so I think basically, I think if I, having patience with the kids and understanding and, and don't always like roll your eyes if they're, oh, you know, like all that, don't, you know, yeah. kind of be more, okay, well, let's, let me tell you again what I just said, right. <laughs> you know, just understand, just know what's going to happen. You know, they're going to forget, they're going to miss things or, they're, you know, and, and just repeat yourself without all the drama behind it. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. Like, and don't know name calling or don't, you know, make them feel so terrible about it. It's, it's, it's funny. It's like, 
you wouldn't laugh at someone, you know, if they had a, a visible disability, if you took away, like, you know, something from them and made them try to do something normal, you know, like mm-hmm. if you took someone's, if they couldn't walk or something, you took a wheelchair, you wouldn't be like, okay, now walk. Oh, you can't walk. Like, you know, you wouldn't do that. Right. So I feel like with invisible disabilities, you shouldn't do that either. You shouldn't, you know, get the, give the groan and the moan and the, oh God, why can't you just be, you know, yep. it, it's the same thing. And it, it just, it's, a shame because it's, you know, the, the, the invisible part of it makes it that way. That is so true. So, so very true. Wow. That's why your book is so important. And it's not just for children, your book. Um, no, like a lot of, it's funny. A lot of adults have, have read it and have told me like, wow, I have such a better understanding. And actually the, one of the best compliments I got was from um, uh, a diverse learning uh, teacher at my school and she told me, wow, I read that book. And it was like, I had a, I have a whole new outlook on my students now. She goes, I, I realized that like, you know, it doesn't just end with them here. Like it keeps at home. They have problem issues here. They have issues. It's not like, oh, they go home and they're all fine with their family. No, there's still things that happen at home and their parents get aggravated with them or, you know, the disability doesn't end at school or begin at school. It's all day long. And, you know, and, she just made me feel really great with that compliment, like that I made her have a better insight to how, you know, and more empathy for her students. So that was probably one of the best compliments I've gotten so far. Oh, you know what? You touch one person like that and you don't know the domino effect that that has. So <laughs> that's the beauty of writing books and getting them out there. You don't know who you are affecting, but you surely are. So that's that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. No problem. Sue, your blog. Oh, look, a squirrel. Why the title of, I love the title, but. (laughs) That's kind of, um, the squirrel theme is kind of a thing on uh, Facebook. There's a lot of, uh, they call call people ADHD squirrels or squirrels because they have just no attention span. It's kind of like a joke. And I feel like, you know, if you can't laugh at yourself, like, you know, you can't make life so depressing. Like you gotta laugh at some things. And I think, I thought that was pretty hilarious. So that's why. I titled my uh, blog that I haven't written in it in a couple, in actually probably in a couple months because I was so involved with the book well, and the edits and publishing it out and that took up so much of my time. Um, and now I'm working on another book, so um, under a pen name, and it's an adult book. And the main character has ADHD. It's a, a rom com, like a love story. Mm. Um, so, uh, but yeah, like I, I love writing about having ADHD. There's, there's, um, I would love to do if I was more. I'd love to do like a podcast or like uh, a YouTube person like that, but I I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's a lot of work. Like I give you guys a lot of credit. This is a lot of work, like editing and you know all that. Um, I don't know how you have time when you have families and and, a full, and jobs and stuff. It's a lot of work. Um, but the blog is kind of nice because I just write when I feel um, like right now, like how we discuss that topic. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that would make a great blog post or an article. Yeah. Like if something comes up and I wanna. I feel the need to talk about it. I can. So it's, it's nice having the blog there. Well, when we're done, let's talk about doing a podcast because I can help you with that. Basically, all you'll have to do is record and I'll do all the editing and posting and everything. You won't have to do any work. In fact, I was thinking I want, I want to introduce you to a, uh, another gal who I met through an author interview just like this. And then she submitted her books to the Firebird Book Awards. And now she's doing 
podcasts about um, uh, neurodiverse children. She she works with those on the autism spectrum, but she has so many uh-huh. interesting guests and you would make a great guest for her. So when we're done, I'll do an introduction to both of you. Maybe you can be on her podcast as well. Oh, awesome. That would be great. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, gosh, you're welcome. Such an important topic. All right, my friend, anything we missed? I'm sure there's lots, but as we begin to wrap up, anything you wanted to talk about? Oh. I feel like we covered everything, the, the blog and the books and everything, you know, neurodiverse. I feel like we totally covered it. It was great. Um, and I really appreciate you having me on. I thank you so much. I just, how do I, how do, where do I hear this or how do I tell people to listen to it or listen to your show? Yep. I will get this all cleaned up, add some music to it, and you'll have a page on our website. And then I will post it to about 50 different online venues, such as iHeart and Spotify and Stitcher, Spreaker, Podchaser, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. So it'll be available everywhere. You'll also get a MP3 file, the audio file that you can download, save to your computer. You can put it on your website or social media, whatever you want to do with it. So I will help get it out there and you can get it out there. And uh, yeah, we'll just try yeah. to try to keep the conversation yeah, I'd love going. I'd to promote it on um, my Instagram and Facebook and Twitter because I have all that. So That's, I can do that. Hey, so, that would be awesome. Good. So any contact information where folks can find out more about you, get copies of the book, The Golden Bee. The Golden Bee is available where all books are sold so um books a million um amazon barnes and noble online everywhere i i think it's in a couple small bookstores in chicago but not anything not big ones so if you want to just order it online that would be great and reviews are totally um (laughs) wanted (laughs) i mean the more reviews the better on amazon so I would love some reviews um, if you do buy the book. And then I, uh, you can reach me on at Dana Serino on um, Facebook and then at Dana or Serino underscore Dana on, on Instagram and at Dana Serino on Twitter. So, I mean, if you search Dana Serino, I'll probably come up. I feel, I feel like I'm one, I'm, there's not too many of us, so <laughs> it should come right up. That's and I have bees all over my page. That's how you'll know it's me. There's yellow and bees everywhere, so... <laughs> So it's Dana Storino, S-T-O-R-I-N-O. Dana Storino, the title of the book is The Golden Bee. And we are going to be hearing more from you, I know. A new book, and I'm going to predict a podcast is in your future. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for today. Thank you for sharing you, you. and being so honest and, and open with the conversation. Thank you so much, <laughs> and it was very nice meeting you. I appreciate all of this. Thanks.